You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome along to the show. Big old show today. Basically, a lot of things making a comeback, including the long-lost email section, which of course begins with the fabled email song. Funny thing, I was once having dinner with someone who listens to this show. Hi, Christopher, if you're listening, by the way. And he said that he really, really loves the podcasts I make. They're great, said Christopher. Except for the singing. Apparently, the singing, and especially the email song, makes him want to claw out his own eyes. Well, Christopher, firstly, that isn't me singing that song. That's quite obviously Julio Iglesias. And secondly, I wouldn't want you to lose your eyes, so I won't be subjecting you to the email song. Instead, let's just jump into some emails, beginning with this one from Fredrika in Sweden, who writes... Dear Adam, I really love your email song. Please play it soon. Love from Frederica. Well, Christopher, I'm sure you wouldn't want me to disappoint a lady. E-M-A-I-L spells email. One day in my inbox tray, someone tried to sell to me medicine to heal my impotence. Buy to get one free. This made me feel strange and slightly scared of my sexual powers, but I learned to carry on, and now my inbox is safe and warm. Emails from you and me to say hello, I like your hyperbole. About all kinds of old movies, does this earn me a Canterbury? Key change, very frightening. I send you this telegram. Please mark it as not spam. I just watched a fair in Trinidad. It wasn't that bad. Send from my iPad. I have to say, I've absolutely loved the emails this week. How about this one from Mr. Bagwant Sagu, who wrote, Hello, Adam, I thought I'd share this experience with you, as it kind of proves just how addicted I am to your work. Last week, I was hospitalized after experiencing chest pains. Quite a few years ago, I had a quadruple heart bypass and occasionally get some issues. I was ordered by the doctors to take things easy, but occupying your time in hospital can be very difficult. I hadn't started on the latest Shadows podcast, so I thought it'd be perfect to occupy my mind other than ECGs, blood pressure checks, blood tests, etc. for a couple of hours. Oh, how wrong I was. The horrors you described left me more stressed out than before, and I just couldn't quite relax after listening for around 30 to 45 minutes. I have to confess that I did finish the podcast, but only after being discharged and listening at home. 
The warning you provided at the outset was very apt. Only a secret history addict like me ignores it. Anyway, feeling a bit better now. Keep up the good work, Bagwant. <laughs> Thank you, Bagwant, and sorry for almost murdering you in your hospital bed. I do hope you're feeling better now, and for anyone else who may be undergoing critical surgery in the forthcoming days or weeks. If the doctors tell you that you need to rest, don't listen to the black-hearted, or it'll probably finish you off. Another email I got was from Shannon Johnson, who wrote, Hi Adam, I really can't say enough about how wonderful your podcasts are and how much I enjoy them, thank you. I tell anyone who will listen how great they are, well thank you Shannon. I wanted to pass along a movie recommendation just in case you haven't seen it. I haven't heard a review on Attaboy Clarence, but I still have a few patron episodes left that I'm hoarding for rainy days. The film is Repeat Performance from 1947. I saw it years ago as a teenager on Nick and Knight's Midnight Movies, way, way back in the late 80s. It was one of my first noir B-movies. I was fascinated by the story and the film's style. After nearly 30 years, I finally found it again. It was every bit as good as I remembered. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for all the great work you are doing. It is much appreciated by all us vintage film fans. Shannon. Well, bless your heart, Shannon. I followed your link to Repeat Performance and watched it this week, and I shall be reviewing it later in this show. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have Shannon Johnson to thank. I got perhaps the greatest email ever, though, on Wednesday, when this absolute beauty dropped into my inbox. Ready? Hello, my name is Courtney Blair. I work for Justin Ward, who has asked that I reach out to podcasters who might be interested in interviewing him. I came across your website and thought the two of you might be a fit. Did you really, Courtney Blair? We're a fit, are we, Courtney Blair? Well, then tell me all about this, Justin Ward. Meet Justin Ward. Initially, Justin Ward of Delmarva, MD, wanted nothing to do with being part of the family business, an invisible fence brand franchise, after he graduated high school. His father started the business in 2000 after looking for a way to retire from the masonry industry. But when his father got sick in 2010, it was up to the younger ward to either take over daily operations or sell the business. What will he do? <gasps> that sparked a fire underneath me to become an entrepreneur, says Justin Ward, and not only run daily operations for Invisible Fence Brand, but also for the other business investments I have in operation today. Now 24, Ward still runs daily operations for the franchise. Invisible Fence Brand helps pet owners discover a lifestyle of peaceful cohabitation with their animals by designing solutions that protect pets from behaviors that can be harmful to themselves, people, other pets, or property. What I find interesting in the pet industry is, for one, it is one of the top industries out there, Ward says. What an insight. Two is that everyone has a pet, not true, and you connect with everyone on an emotional level, not true either, which is the best way to network and learn from others. I think that keeps me attached to the business and leaves me with that rewarding feeling. I mean, obviously I'm not casting aspersions on the research techniques of Courtney Blair or anything, but I am struggling to see the connection that she may have discovered between me, the host of a podcast about classic movies, and Justin Ward, the king of the Invisible Fence Company. Well, I did some research of my own. In fact, I went on over to Courtney Blair's website, which is www.zippycontent.com, and upon the homepage, I found perhaps my favourite testimonial ever to the PR work of Courtney Blair, which I will read for you now 
verbatim. This is from a man named Ryan Stuman, who describes himself as a hardcore closer, and reads thus. Every week this year, I've been interviewed on at least three different podcasts. I've hosted and been on 400 plus podcasts. I'm probably one of the most interviewed people on iTunes, but I don't have time to crunch numbers. Well, who does? Anyway, I used to book all the podcasts myself. I would reach out, sell myself, get on, etc. Then I met Courtney. For the last six to seven anyway, I used to book all the podcasts myself. I would reach out, sell myself, get on, etc. Then I met Courtney. For the last six to seven months, she's booked me three to four weekly interviews like clockwork. If you own a business, have a cool story or have a message you want to spread, hit her up. She's the best podcast PR person I've ever had help me. Probably the only one. She didn't pay me to say this either. I pay her. She does her job so damn well, I want to help her and you at the same time. Also, thank if you own a business. Also, thank if you own a business. Thank if I own a business. Have a cool story or have a message you want to spread, hit her up. She's the best podcast PR person I've ever had help me. She didn't pay me to say this either. I pay her and she does her job so damn well, I want to help her and you at the same time. Also, thank I pay her and she does her job so damn well, I want to help her and you at the same time. I think we're getting that now, Ryan. Thank you. Also thank, also thank, also thank you, Courtney, for all the interviews. Some of my best advertising comes from the shows you book me on. I mean, it's quite the glowing reference, isn't it? But please indulge me a little further, won't you? Because I don't know about you, but I don't actually know what a hardcore closer is. Well, that all changed when I went on over to Ryan Stuman's website, located at hardcorecloser.com where I got to read all about Ryan on his About page. Now, this is genius. I want Ryan to write my About page. Listen to this. Ryan Stuman! First, I write my own bios. Second, I have a long-ass list of accomplishments that even I can't believe. In order not to come off too braggy, I'll leave some of my accomplishments out of this as well. Just know, I'm a bamf who's not afraid to fail or take action. I've never had a job with a salary. I've always worked hourly, plus commission, or just straight commission. I've been in sales since I was 13 years old. Ryan Stuber. I started out selling car washes in Texas. Because of my work ethic at the car wash, I was offered a job in mortgages by one of the regular customers. After some reluctance, I accepted. Ryan Stuber. Matter of fact, in 2009, the worst year on record for the industry, I closed 183 loans, still going strong. In 2010, however, the government passed the Dodd-Frank Act, and due to my felony gun charges, I was unable to get a federal mortgage license. I went from being one of the top producing mortgage people on the planet to nothing. Overnight. So I started my own business. I started managing social media for local real estate agents. I built the business to a six-figure-a-year business. And then I burned it down. Ryan Stuber. I hated seeing other people get results in the industry I was washed out of. It killed me. So I shut it down. Hardcore Closer is an online learning resource for salespeople. It has everything you need in order to start marketing your business online and crushing your competitors. This website is full of awesomeness. Don't forget to sign up, read my emails, and of course, buy my shit. 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 
I'm Ryan Stuman, CEO of Hardcore Closer, and it's nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. So anyway, Courtney, I'm going to pass. sisters with oh johnny oh johnny oh johnny oh johnny thank you girls well a public service announcement for you all as you are no doubt aware the secret history of hollywood is currently in the middle of a series about val luton and wouldn't you just know it the british film institute has decided to run a screening or two devoted to val luton which is fabulous news on november the 21st they're showing cat people and its sequel curse of the cat people one of my favorite movies of all time on a double bill Well, this is far too good an opportunity to waste, so I am going to the BFI to watch it, and I would love you all to come with me. Now, I did announce this over Twitter and Facebook a few days ago, so some of you already know. But for those of you who don't, the tickets are on sale now, so how about it? Do you fancy coming along to the BFI South Bank to watch a pair of Val Luton films with me? We'll obviously be meeting up for drinks and a high five beforehand, too. Details of which will be coming very soon, so keep your eyes peeled for that. 
Many of you have already bought tickets. In fact, I think half the screening is sold out already. So if you want to come, get on it now and we'll have a great evening. And who knows, maybe there'll even be a special guest or two tagging along with us. If you're interested, then follow the link in the show notes and hopefully I'll see you there. Well, let's take a trip over to What's My Line, shall we, for a particularly difficult puzzle. You'll probably only get this from the final couple of clues, but try your best anyway as we play another round of Who the Hell is That Hollywood Legend? All right, panel, as you know, in the case of our mystery challenger, we go to a different form of questioning. You ask one question at a time in turn, moving clockwise, and let's begin with Miss Kilgallen. Oh, John. <laughs> Bennett and I have been having such a nice rest over here. <laughs> the other end of the panel has been so brilliant. Um, well, now, did all those, I'm addressing this now to our guests, did all those wahoos and yahoos accurately signify that you were a glamorous lady? Yes. <laughs> could, could we have the guest answer, John? Mm-hmm. Would you say yes? Say yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Golly, for a moment I thought Mamie Van Dorn was back. Or, or her aunt Irita Van Dorn. Uh, are you a movie star? Mm. <laughs> yes, yes. Miss Francis? Are you in New York to publicize a picture that will be forthcoming? Mm. One down and nine to go, Mr. Lewis. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'd love to hear you speak. No. Are you, uh, uh, you're a motion picture star? You're a motion picture star? Oh, well, then you're not Cinderella. Have you been on uh, television over the past weekend? <laughs> That's yes, Miss Kilgallen. Uh, as a guest star on some other star show? Uh-huh. Mr. Seth? Well, I didn't watch any television over the uh, weekend. Would that show have been put on uh, today? Uh-uh. Two down and eight to go, Miss Francis. Would it have been, if CBS will forgive me, in compatible color yesterday? <laughs> yes. yes. Mr. Lewis? Uh, was the... Were you surrounded by many other people on the program? <laughs> I don't... I know. Uh, I passed. Miss Kilgallen? Were you born in Europe? Mm hmm. Mr. Seth? You ever marry an oil millionaire in Texas? Mm hmm. Miss Francis? Well, shall we all say it together? I the think we all know. Girl, girl in the, the world. world. And there we go. We shall break away there. Do you have an idea? We'll hold on to it for now, and I'll reveal all later. Excuse me. Oh, hi, Suki. Yes? Hi, back to you. I was just wondering something. What's that? Well, it seems to me as though there are an awful lot of cat movies, such as Cat People and Curse of the Cat People. Right. And Octopussy. Of course, yes. Yes, well, I've had an idea I have, and I would give all that I own to tell it to you right now, I would. Okay. What is your idea? I would like to put more dogs into movie titles. But, but there are quite a few already. I mean, you have The Hound of the Baskervilles. Yes, I know, but shut up now and hear my work. So first of all, instead of Gone with the Wind, how about Dog with the Wind? Dog with the Wind? Yes. That sounds like a description of you. 
Is that a compliment? I mean, as a joke or, or a pun, it's not that successful. Okay, well, how about this one? Instead of angels with dirty faces, how about... Dogs with dirty faces. Uh, again, I mean, I think the premise of your idea is sound. I'm just not sure your execution is quite there. Okay, okay. Well, don't worry, because the next one will beat your socks off. Are you ready? Yes. Yes, go on then. Okay. One more, okay? Yes, yes, thank you for hurrying me along. Okay, so see if you can guess what this one will be. Instead of Dr. Shivago, how about... Dr. Chihuahua? No, no, wait, um, Dr. Shivago. No, it's Dr. Dog. Yes, very good. You really think so? Yes, yes, I really think so. You want some more? No, no, I'm pretty wantless in that regard. I have some, I have some more here. I'm, I'm good, thank you. I have 14 pages of them. You still do.
glorious. That was Love is the Sweetest Thing by Ray Noble. Well, the first movie I'd like to tell you about today comes from 1948, a British film called The Three Weird Sisters, which, as titles go, isn't really that inventive. It's odd, actually, because this was based on a novel called The Case of the Weird Sisters by Charlotte Armstrong, and it was adapted for the screen by my favourite poet, Dylan Thomas. So you would have thought he could have dreamt up a much more enigmatic title. Still, The Three Weird Sisters it is. This stars Nancy Price, Mary Claire and Mary Merrill as the three weird sisters themselves, as well as Raymond Lovell as their brother Owen, and Hitchcock ingenue Nova Pillbeam, all grown up and here making her final screen appearance as Owen's faithful secretary. We're going down to Congress after lunch. Uh, we go by car. We, oui, Mr. Morgan Vaughan? You mean you want me to come? That's what I said. I've had enough of coping with my sisters by myself. Oh, but, well, I can't be of much use. I don't know them. Exactly. The plot revolves around a small Welsh mining village where the houses are falling into disrepair. The three sisters, Gertrude, Maud and Isabel, who live in the mansion overlooking the village, have pledged to have all the cottages repaired. But as the family fortune ran out some time ago, they must rely on their half-brother Owen, a wealthy London businessman, to supply the money they need. I've come to stop the indiscriminate pledging of my credit. I may be old-fashioned. But I always thought family affairs were discussed only among the family. You put me in a very embarrassing position, Miss Morgan Vaughan. You must blame my brother for that. It was wrong of him to imagine that we should discuss our private affairs before any stranger. You'll break your neck on that high horse of yours one of these days, Gertrude. But Owen has had enough of propping up the village using the fortune he's worked all his life for, however, and refuses the sisters their request. The only way to get their hands on Owen's fortune, and to keep their word, is if some accident befalls their brother. And all of a sudden, there seem to be accidents happening all over the place. The only thing standing in the way of the sisters' murder plot is Owen's plucky secretary, Claire, who's determined to keep her boss alive. Weird little movie. The first thing you notice is how run down everything is. The look of it all reminded me a lot of James Whale's The Old Dark House. There's a really crummy feel to the whole thing. The sisters themselves are delightfully camp old chatelains of the mansion. They're a wicked old trio. One's blind, one's deaf, and one's crippled by arthritis, so they hobble around the decaying old castle like the three witches from Macbeth. I have to say also it's great seeing Nova Pilbeam in an adult role. She was most famous for playing the juvenile lead in Hitchcock's Young and Innocent and in The Man Who Knew Too Much, and it's quite sad to know that this was her final film. She's a great hero. She spends the entire film saving Brother Owen from the evil murder plots that his sisters keep trying. To think we only lost her two years ago, bless her. It's not perfect. It does take a hell of a long time to get going, and the whole Doctor subplot is a bit boring. But The Three Weird Sisters is a very eccentric piece of morbid mystery that's definitely worth 82 minutes of your time. Hey, here's the thing. The TCM Film Festival is in April of next year, the 26th to the 29th to be exact, and wouldn't you know it, I'm going. That's right, I'm finally going to Hollywood to see the place I've been writing about for all these years, and it's going to be amazing. So if you're going too, then let me know, and we'll hook up there and watch movies and grab lunch and everything. Bring on the film festival. I'm going to write this thing the blues. I'm going to write to Mordai. I'm going to write to Stephen Cry. Down around the river. 
holiday there with I Got a Right to Sing the Blues. Well, the next film is all thanks to Shannon Johnson, who pointed me towards 1947's Repeat Performance, starring Joan Leslie, Lewis Hayward, Richard Basehart, and the great Tom Conway. Well, talk about throwing you in at the deep end. The film begins with a murder. Sheila, played by Joan Leslie, is standing over the body of her husband, Barney, played by Lewis Hayward, literally holding a smoking gun. Sheila has put Barney to death for the year of hell he's put her through, but as she regards his murdered corpse, she realizes that she'd give anything to take back her mistake. Numbly, she drifts to a New Year's Eve party in search of oblivion, and as the clock strikes 12... She mournfully wishes she could take back the past year and live it over again. Well, as it turns out, she made the wish at some enchanted moment because when she leaves the party, she has time-traveled back a whole year and has been given another chance to fix all the mistakes that she and Barney made together. But fate, it seems, is a hard thing to control and even with pre-knowledge of what is coming, is it actually possible to change the course of things? I actually knew nothing about this film when I went into it, and so when I saw Lewis Hayward lying dead on the floor in the first few moments and the glorious Joan Leslie with a gun in her hand, I did wonder if perhaps I'd stumbled in halfway through. Then I realised what was actually happening and I broke into a grin because I do love it when a story like this suddenly takes a supernatural turn. Remember a while ago I told you about a film called It Happened Tomorrow, where you had a newspaper man who gets to see what's happening in the future with a magic newspaper? Or It's a Wonderful Life, for heaven's sake, where an angel shows a beaten-down man what life would have been like if he'd never been born at all. 
Well, this follows that grand tradition. We see an emotionally abused wife who snapped one day, being given the chance to see if there's anything she can do to prevent the snap from happening again. Obviously, because of this, it's a much darker film than It Happened Tomorrow or It's a Wonderful Life. It's essentially a film noir featuring a time traveller, which would make me want to watch the hell out of it if I hadn't seen it. Anyway, I won't spoil what happens because it is rather delicious to watch for yourself, but I guarantee you will be thrilled. I can see why Shannon has never quite forgotten the film. I came away myself remarking that it is quite an unforgettable movie. If you like your noir thrillers with a kink, or whether you like your supernatural dramas with a noir flavor, then seek out repeat performance from 1947. Great stuff. Well, talking of strange stories in time, how about for this week we go on over to one of the greatest radio series ever, Suspense, for an episode entitled The 32nd of December, starring Frank Lovejoy. Now, I'm not going to tell you anything about this story, just listen. It's brilliant. See you afterwards. Tampering with time has been an ambition of man since he first realized how inexorably he is time's slave. At this time of the year, although we have even less time on our hands, time is much in our minds. We make a magic ritual of New Year's Eve when we suppose we can flush away all our past impurities and begin afresh at that magic hour of midnight on the 31st of December. But suppose we couldn't. Suppose the 31st of December were not the end. Listen, listen then as Mr. Frank Lovejoy stars in the 32nd of December. And now, the 32nd of December, starring Mr. Frank Lovejoy, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. As far as I was concerned, when I got up the morning of December 31st, it could stay 1958 forever. The only trouble is time doesn't work that way. Time is a downhill ride in a car with no brakes. You can't stop it even if your life depends on it. And mine did. Joe, your breakfast is getting cold. I'm coming, I'm coming. All I have time for is a cup of coffee anyway. Uh, what is this, milk? Don't we ever have anything but milk to put in the coffee? You know we can't afford cream these days. We can hardly afford to eat. Molly, you'll be wearing mink yet. Just give me a little more time. Yeah, you've been saying that ever since we got married. Well, sooner or later, Molly, I'm going to make it. By the way, honey, uh, let me have your ring. Why? Well, you said the diamond's loose. I'll drop it to the jewelers on my way to the office. Oh, we can't afford to get it fixed now. Molly, that's an expensive ring. We can't afford not to take care of it. Joe, have you been gambling again? Oh, now, Molly, I told you, I'm all through with that. You told me the same thing just before you pawned your watch. And the cufflinks I gave you on our first anniversary. I'm and not the... going to pawn your engagement ring. Now, let me have it. I'll pick it up on my way home tonight. Well, all right, but, Joe... What? Remember, it's very precious, at least to me. Sure. Sure, I've been gambling again. I was in the whole bag. The boys wanted to pay off by midnight, and this time they weren't going to take no for an answer. If I couldn't raise the dough on Molly's ring, I didn't know what I'd do. The 
The pawn shop was like any other pawn shop. Dirty and gloomy, full of junk, with clocks ticking all over the place. One thing caught my eye as soon as I came in. In the front case, a watch, curiously ornate, obviously very old. It sort of glowed in the case. I couldn't take my eyes off it. You like to look at the watch? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> no, it's very interesting, but... Uh... How much can I get on this ring? On this, I can lend you $150. $150? The guy I won it off claimed it was worth more than $1,000. $150? I can probably get $500 for it, easy. Then you would be foolish to accept my offer. That's the best you can do. $150. I'll take it. I will get the money. While I waited, I felt my eyes drawn to the antique watch again. I picked it up. It felt warm in my hand, almost as if it were alive. Its face was covered with all sorts of dials and figures. The date of the month, phase of the moon, even the signs of the zodiac. Some of the dials I couldn't read at all. They were inscribed with strange characters like hieroglyphics or ancient Sanskrit. Suddenly, I felt I had to have that watch. One hundred, twenty, forty, forty-five, one hundred fifty. Can you tell me what all these dials mean? I can tell you only that this watch controls many kinds of time. The fellow who pawned it claimed it could make time pass as slowly or as rapidly as he desired. <laughs> That's a pretty good trick. Mm -hmm. But only a trick. Time is different for each of us, is it not? What do you mean? To a man sitting on a hot stove, one second lasts forever. But to a man making love, forever is only a second. <laughs> yeah, I, I see what you mean. How much are you asking for the watch? One hundred fifty dollars. Excuse me. Hello. Yes, one moment, please. Is your name Joe Adcock? Yeah, why? Yes, Mr. Adcock is here. Who is it? Who is calling? Hello? Hello? Hmm. That is odd. Nobody knew I was coming here. Who was it? He did not identify himself. He just said I would not believe him. Then he hung up. It's funny. Say, uh, now what about the guy who pawned this watch? Any chance of him wanting it back? No, Mr. Adcock. He will not return for it. He has no further use for the watch. <laughs> okay. Well, then I'll take it. I don't know why, but I, I've got to have it. I had no business buying the watch. It was a crazy thing to do. I hadn't walked more than a few steps from the pawn shop when I learned just how crazy. Hold it, Adcock. Well, who are you? Just one of the boys. What do you want? A little talk. Private. In the alley here. But I don't have... In them. the alley. Ah, my arm. You got the grand, Adcock? I got until midnight to get it. Yeah, that's right. 
The boss just wants me to make sure you don't forget. Like last time. Oh, I, I won't forget, I promise. I'll be waiting for you at midnight, right here by the pawn shop. Oh, and one more thing. Oh, what is it? Yes. Oh, That's just to make sure you don't forget. If you don't show up with the dough, there ain't going to be no new year for you. You understand? Yes, I, I understand. Good. See you at midnight. I had to get back the 150. Maybe I could make a fast killing at the track with it or, or, or something. I had to get it back. Oh, back so soon, Mr. Edcock? Yes, yes, I, uh, I made a mistake. We all make mistakes. That is life. Look, I've got to have that money back. Here's your watch. My watch, Mr. Adcock? This is your watch. You bought it. But, but I don't want it. I want the money. A deal is a deal. But you don't understand. Uh, I... It is you who do not understand, Mr. Adcock. To sell the watch, you must find a buyer. I am not buying. But look, you've got to help me. Well, will you take the watch in pawn? Of course. That is my business. Well, how much can I get for it? Five dollars. Five dollars? Just a few minutes ago, I paid a hundred and fifty for it. It is unfortunate that I do not value it so highly now. Five dollars? No, thanks. Five dollars wouldn't help me. I had to have money, big money. My only chance now was to try to borrow it. I know you've had an account here for years, Mr. Adcock, and of course we like to do what we can for our regular customers, but unless you have some collateral... Well, what kind of collateral? Oh, stocks, bonds, real estate. Uh, if I had that kind of stuff, I wouldn't need the loan. Five hundred? Joe, you're crazy. Hey, bartender, another beer. All right, all right, Harry. Make it a C-note, anything. Yeah, well, what about the C-note you borrowed last August? Oh, I'll pay you back. Honest. Yeah, I heard that last August. Oh, Harry, how long have you known me? Mm, ten years, I guess. All right, ten years. Doesn't that count for anything? For a C-note, it don't. Oh, but Harry... No! Not a dime. Not a lousy dime. Only one thing left to do. Shop. Molly, uh, I want you to come home right now. Joe, aren't you at work? No, I'm home. Well, what's the matter? Are you sick? I'm all right. Just come home and hurry. Joe, what's wrong? We've got to get out of town. Fast. It took only a few minutes to throw everything Molly and I owned into suitcases. I kept looking at the watch, wondering when Molly was going at to show up. At the phone signal, the correct time will be 2.30. 2.30? What's keeping her? Well, at least the watch is on time. I wonder when I ought to wind it. <laughs> Might as well do it right now. If I can figure out which one of these knobs to use. I'll try this one. What the devil... Where did the sun go? It was shining a minute ago. Now it's snowing. Oh, blasted, I did get the wrong knob. I moved it back to the 28th, so now I've got... Hey, wait a minute. The 28th was Sunday, the day we had the big snowstorm. Could the watch have... Ah, oh, that's impossible. 
I sent it back to the 31st, and I... What the... Now the sun is shining. Did the watch change the day, or am I losing my mind? Maybe I could set it again, test it. Let me see. I, uh... I was in that pawn shop just before one o'clock. I set the hour hand back to 12.45. There. Now we'll see. This is the Third Avenue pawn shop. Yes. Is uh is Joe Adcock there? One moment, please. Is your name Joe Adcock? No. Yes, Mr. Adcock is here. Who is calling? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. I could hardly believe it myself. But there was no question about it. The watch did control time. Once I grasped that fact, I began to realize its implications. For the first time in my life, I could have all the time I needed, all the time I wanted. Joe! Joe! Oh, Joe, what's wrong? Not a thing, Molly, not a thing. But you said we had to leave town. Oh, did I? Well, that's all over now. Joe, what are you talking about? I'll probably lose my job Now, now, don't get excited. I... Well, I might as well tell you the whole story. I lied to you about the gambling, Molly. I'm $1,000 in debt. I've got to pay off by midnight, but... You pawned my ring, didn't you? Well, now, don't worry. I'll get it back. You lied to me. I said I'll get it back. You have no right to pawn it. It's mine. I want my ring, All right, I'll get it. Now, right now. I haven't got time now. I've got to get back to the bank before it closes. Get my ring. You promised. Well, you quit nagging me about your blasted ring. Let me get back to the bank. We'll have enough money to buy you a dozen rings. Joe, what are you going to do? I'm going to rob the bank. What else? figured out right. Robbing the bank would be as easy as taking pennies from a blind man. It was two minutes to three when I walked into the bank and headed for the vault. Oh, hello, Mr. Adcock. Back again, I see. Yeah, yeah, I've got to get into my safety deposit box. Certainly, go right ahead. Good. Nobody else in here. Now, I just turned the watch back to Sunday, the 28th. It worked. <laughs> I'm locked in the ball and it's Sunday. Now, let's see where they keep the ready cash. There it is. Stacks of it and all mine. Well, that's plenty for now. Enough to pay the mob and more. <laughs> There's always more where this comes from. Now, reset the watch to December 31st. Perfect. The perfect crime. All I have to do is get out of here without letting them see the money. Mr. Adcock. Yes? Happy and prosperous New Year to you, sir. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. Molly! Hey, Molly. Molly, it worked. We're rich. Have you been drinking? No, not a drop. Here, look at this. Go on. Pick them up. They're real. Joe. 
These are $1,000 bills. Where did you get them? I robbed the bank. Oh, come on, Joe. I always told you I'd make it big someday. Well, today is the day. Now you go out and buy yourself a dress. We're going to celebrate New Year's Eve in style. Happy New Year, Joe. Happy New Year. Yeah, yeah, come on. Let, let's get out of this crowd. It's almost midnight. I thought we were going to celebrate. You were going to take me to a nightclub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But first, I, I got to meet a guy at midnight. Come on. Who? A guy. I got to pay off that gambling debt. Well, where are you meeting? It's just a block away, in front of the pawn shop. The pawn shop? My ring. Joe, you forgot my ring. Oh, for Pete's sake. I'll get your lousy ring back. Just give me a little time. Oh, a little time. That's the story of your life, isn't it, Joe? Just give me a little time. Well, all right. I'll give you all the time you want all the rest of your life. I'm through with you, Joe. I just can't take it anymore. Molly, don't leave me. Molly, come back. Well, what happened? Molly just disappeared. The street is deserted. Molly! Hey, where is everybody? I wonder if this crazy watch had anything to do with... The 32nd? It should have clicked over to January 1st. Oh, no wonder everybody disappeared there. Isn't any 32nd of December. I'll just... I'll just reset it. It's stuck. It won't budge. Oh, it's got to move. It's just... Oh, no. It can't be broken. I can't stay in the 32nd of December forever. I've got to fix it. I've got to get the back off. I've got to get it to works. I... There. But there's nothing inside. It's the 32nd of December, and it will always be the 32nd of December. Excellent stuff. That was the time travel tastic 32nd of December from Suspense, starring Frank Lovejoy. Wonderful. Well, let's just time travel back to March 31st, 1957, shall we, and find out just who the hell that Hollywood legend was. Were you born in Europe? Mm hmm. Mr. Seth? You ever marry an oil millionaire in Texas? Mm hmm. Miss Francis? Well, should we all say it together? I think we all know. Girl girl in the the world. world. (laughs) (laughs) Hedy Lamar. Hedy Lamar. Yes, it was Hedy Lamar. Pretty tough, that one. Congratulations if you got it. Well, that's all from me for this edition. If you'd like bonus reviews, then there'll be more for you patrons coming this week. If you aren't yet a patron of the show then you can sign up very easily by listening on to the end of this show. I'll be back with the regular show in a fortnight. But until then, take awfully good care of yourselves. And bye for now.
If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www.attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month, and in return, you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews, and ebooks. And every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.